I don't remember much since that's almost 15 years ago now. But I think about that match uh, quite a bit, you know, even even to this day. Oh my god, this is the match I hate the most of my whole entire career. But now you're really really tearing my heart screws here. You know, contemplated, you know, stopping wrestling because I was so frustrated because I wanted to do so much better than what I was doing. Oh, that is a tough one. That one is a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really think about that match that much. I, I try not to. You know, I was just like, oh, here we go again. You know, my, my body is, is, uh, is giving out on me. And mentally, I was, I was in a sort of a dark place. I don't know if I ever regained my focus in my competitive years again after that. Up to the point where I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. You know, I couldn't find a rhythm in a tournament. But I don't think I ever competed at my full potential in college. Um, it's true. It's like if I could do it again, I, I wouldn't have done it any different. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's just how the, how things play out. I'm not sure if I should be honored to be on that list or not. That was my whole identity, and now my identity is gone. What am I supposed to be now? What do I do for the rest of my life? Welcome to episode 16 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. We're going back to the usual format, great guests, great stories, and we'll wait a few more weeks before we have another episode of me rambling on. However, a lot of people did enjoy the recruiting special. That show, along with all of the other Sudden History podcasts, are available as well, so if you've jumped on board lately, you can always go back and catch up. I've waited long enough. This will be my first guest with ties to my home state of Virginia. And frankly, I can't believe it's taking this long. So let's listen to my interview with Scott Moore. Today, we welcome Scott Moore to Sudden History. As a competitor, Scott was a two-time All-American wrestling for Penn State in Virginia. Currently, he's the head coach at Lock Haven University in Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Hey, great to be here. So as we're speaking, it's early May. You're technically in the off season, but I'm sure you've got plenty going on right now. What is life like as the head coach for a D1 school at this point of the year? Well, this point of the year, it's uh, you know kind of wrapping up the season, getting the uh, the guys on a team through finals week, uh, making sure they have the resources and everything they need to finish out the academic semester, you know, the best that they can, and uh, you know, on the recruiting scene, trying to make sure all the incoming guys are uh, getting set up with housing and and um, getting their summer plans straightened out with training camp, summer school. Um, and then, you know, there's always those late bloomers, some transfers coming in late, just getting them uh, strained out with admissions. And, uh, you know, tr- so trying to finish the school year on a positive note, you know, throughout the program, whether it's working with our guys, uh, you know, and, and trying to get ready for freestyle season. I know we're we're looking to compete at the university goals here in a couple of weeks and also the university nationals here in early June. So uh, kind of working on a lot of different levels right now. And, uh, you know, just trying to continue to build the program and and uh, make sure that, you know, there's a lot of positive press about Lockhaven and, you know, what we're doing up here. I'm glad you mentioned recruiting. Your 2015-16 recruiting class has caught my eye as it has to be one of the better ones coming into Lockhaven in some time. As far as your high school recruits go, it's not littered with multiple-time Pennsylvania State champions, but it has runners-up. Um, a recent state champ, I'm not sure if you're able to talk about that yet, and then a, a bunch of other guys that have national credentials or big wins in national-type tournaments. 
And to me, it just seems like those are the type of kids Lockhaven should be signing. You know, talk about this group you have coming in. Yeah, we got a really talented group of, uh, you know, high school seniors that have committed to come into Lockhaven. And, you know, for us, we had eight graduating seniors. So this was a big recruiting year for us, uh, trying to fill some some needs at weight classes and then obviously add some depth and, and competition in the room. Uh, we're pretty excited about the guys we're bringing in anywhere from, uh, you know, we have a couple guys that are, uh, you know, state champions. Um, we have a two-time state champion out of Nazareth coming in. Uh, we have, uh, you know, even a state champion from Virginia coming in. And uh, so we're kind of a wide spectrum of guys that we're, that we're recruiting at this point of that we got commitments from. Uh, some of the best nationally ranked kids that we're uh, – that are committed to us, Jonathan Ross from Northern York, a multiple-time state placer, ranked as high as eighth in the country. I'm excited about his uh, his potential here at Lockhaven. Um, finished the year, you know, a little bit of a, a shoulder surgery or shoulder injury, so was only able to take fifth of the states. But I think his potential is is much beyond that. Um, also, Jared Seacrest from Mannheim was uh, another one of our you know big early recruits. Was nationally ranked at the beginning of the year. Uh, Tyshawn White, uh, multiple four-time state placer from Central Dolphin, uh, you know, ranked top 10 in the country, uh, one of our bigger recruits coming in. And, and um, you know, a lot of other guys, Colin Glorioso and Trey Hartsock, who are uh, very talented, multiple-time state placers. Um, and uh, actually a Virginia boy in Ray Burneau from Battlefield, who was a state champion. So we, um, just to name a few, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep class, uh, not only good wrestlers but great students. And, uh, you know, a few of the guys will, will come in and, and wrestle right away. Some of the others will probably redshirt and, and uh, grow into the program and, you know, grow into some weight classes. So, um, you know, it's, it's important to bring in the best high school kids every year. And uh, it's more important to bring in the guys that, that fit, you know, align with our goals of our program and that we know they're going to be around for, you know, four or five years and, and develop into, you know, future All-Americans and, and academic All-Americans. So we're, we're excited about that group of kids and, you know, um, you know, I think the potential of our programs certainly, uh, certainly bright, and uh, these guys coming in are going to add a lot of depth and a lot of class to our, you know, to our program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you remember I'm a Virginia guy, so I liked seeing that you had a Virginia State champion coming in there. Yeah. Um, so when you're out on the recruiting trails, uh, watching kids wrestle, is there you know one thing that they have to possess to be able to wrestle for you? One trait or one skill? I mean, like most college coaches, we look for guys that enjoy wrestling. I mean, uh, wrestling in college is, is almost like a job. I mean, it's a it's an everyday uh, battle with, with yourself, you know, with your teammates and, and just with the adversity that you face in this sport. So uh, we look for guys that, that are excited about the challenge, that love being on the mats, that are that are team players, um, that, you know, that also have some sort of upside, maybe kids that come from smaller programs or kids that are just underdeveloped that, may not come from the best clubs in, in, you know, in Pennsylvania or across the country. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we look for. And, and, you know, there's a certain type of kid that that I think everybody recruits, and uh, I don't think we're any different. It's just uh, we recruit kids to come to Lockhaven, which is, you know, a small school uh, in in central Pennsylvania. So I think there's a big draw. has a great wrestling tradition, a lot of history, um, very friendly environment, great wrestling community, and – you know, a lot of resources from the wrestling end. So I think a lot of kids are starting to see that the small school is the way to go, getting that individual attention, uh, being really able to control your surroundings and, and cut back on the, the distractions that some of these big schools offer. And, and that's where, 
uh, we're seeing a lot of our recruiting paying off is, is connecting with the kids on a personal level and showing them that, you know, you can get it done at Lock Haven, you can get it done at smaller schools. And, you know, and uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of kids are starting to come back uh, into the fold as far as transfers. That uh, This year has been a big year for us on that front. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to try to promote our program and, and get the best kids out of high school and, you know, make sure we're making the right connections down the road. So, if, you know, if kids aren't happy or if they're looking to come back closer to their parents, it, that Lock Haven's an option for them. And you had just touched on transfers during the regular season. It was announced you'd be receiving two very high-profile transfers for next year, Thomas Haynes and Patrick Dugan. They were both huge recruits coming out of high school. And, you know, I guess you'd have to be pleased about getting two guys of their caliber coming in as well. Yeah, those are guys that I recruited and and had connections with early on. And, uh, you know, we're excited that their potential and and the names uh, into our program, which is, you know, ultimately brings more crowd uh, support, uh, more community support, and and uh, I think brings a name to Lock Haven uh, that a lot of kids in high school and a lot of coaches are going to recognize. So there's um, there's always the mystique of having a four-time state champion and, and four-time state place winners on our roster, and uh, you know we're looking to help those guys, you know, develop and do all Americans and national champions, and you know I'm sure that they're going to help our program as well with with their. Uh, uh, the success that they've had and, and their potential and, and uh, you know, the connections that they bring along with them. So you recently finished your third season as the head coach for Lock Haven. Looking back when you took over the program, it was kind of a tumultuous time. You were the previously the interim head coach for a period of time. If you're able to talk about some of the obstacles that you had to overcome um, in addition to any normal growing pains that you experience in your first head coaching position. Yeah, it was a uh, you know it was certainly a uh, interesting time for me. I had moved back from uh, coaching at the University of Virginia, where I was the associate head coach. I decided to move back to Pennsylvania to be uh, closer to family, and uh, this happened to be a great spot for me. You know, uh, my wife's family's from right up the road, and uh, being able to get into a smaller program and, and make some changes and make some connection connections, uh, I think gave me a good opportunity to move into the, the head coaching position and. Uh, just so happened to be that, you know, throughout my first couple of years that the opportunity uh, opened up and, and um, you know, through a national search and some interview processes um, and just having the right connections and, and convincing the alumni and supporters and, uh, you know, the guys in the program that I was the, the right guy to lead the program and, you know, invest in, in the future and, and really help grow and, and reestablish the, the tradition that Lockheed Wrestling had. And, um, you know, this is a situation that um, – you know, I'm pretty honored to be in, but it's also, uh, you know, the the workload that comes with it is uh, is much bigger than you know than most people would expect, just because of the fundraising, um, the management of the student athletes, the management of the different events that we run. We do a do a lot of different tournaments uh, throughout the season, a lot of different uh, obviously camps. Um, so we're we're always uh, we're like a small business that that's constantly focused on fundraising, recruiting, and and uh, trying to build a solid foundation for the future which which is basically trying to instill the right you know work ethic and character and, and into our into our student athletes and then you know making sure we get our alumni and our and our supporters and donors on board with with the product that we're uh you know putting on the mat so it's it's been a fun couple of years you know just coming to the end of my third year as the head coach uh we've overcome a lot of challenges we've uh, reached a lot of new levels and um 
you know, having an All-American last year, having an EWL champion, uh, you know, beating our first Big Ten opponent, um, placing second to PSAC the last two years. So we've, we've had a lot of, um, you know, this year we had three 100-match winners, three seniors that reached that 100-win plateau that was uh, pretty special for the program, but, you know, pretty cool for those guys as well. So we're, you know, we're, we're just in the building stages. You know, we're not where we want to be yet, but it's, uh, it's a fun uphill battle that we're, we've been uh, working at, and, you know, right now in the process of putting a, a, a good staff together to move forward and, and uh, see where we can go with this incoming class and, you know, obviously some, some solid, talented returners as well. Okay, good. I think we're right in line with our my questioning stuff because I was going to say the a big milestone in a head coach's career, especially at a smaller school, is getting that first individual All-American, and you had that happen in 2015 in St. Louis. And I can remember it distinctly. I was on press row right in front of that mat where uh, Dan Neff defeated Taiwan Claxton of Ohio and the tiebreakers. You know, you guys and the coaching staff were really pumped up, and you know, understandably so. Uh, you know, talk about that moment itself, and then what it means in the bigger picture for your program because it was the first All-American since Obi Blanc in 2007. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, going into that tournament, Dan had drew um, the second-seeded wrestler from Northwestern and the returning national champion. So it was uh, a little bittersweet going into the tournament, knowing that first-round match was going to be a you know a tough one. Uh, you know, obviously went through the first match, wrestled hard, but he didn't win. And, uh, you know, just looking back at the moment, you know, knowing that, you know, he'd have to win four matches straight, uh, you know, at, at that point in time, I could see that, you know, he was committed to doing it. He was excited about it. He just, he just had to look in his eye that he was ready to go out there and get it done and, you know, wrestled, uh, three or four really good matches, just cut down on his mistakes and just wrestled the best that I've seen him wrestle in a long time. And it all came down to the last match against, uh, Claxton from, from Ohio University and, uh, you know, in my opinion, he'd out-wrestled the whole match, uh, got beat up on a couple calls with back points, and it all came down to the wire. It was overtime, and uh, he ended up getting a reversal with like three seconds left, hit a standing Granby into a switch, and, and got behind him with literally two seconds left on the clock. And, uh, you know, as a coach, that was one of those moments. I've coached some All-Americans before, but as a head coach and, and just the way he came about, you know, getting on the podium was pretty amazing. One of the well, – probably the most exciting coaching moment that I've ever been a part of and, and certainly uh, big for our program. Like, as you mentioned, being in my second year as the head coach and getting an All-American, uh, getting a guy, you know, competing at the national stage. And, you know, I, I think a lot of head coaches understand the, the difficulty of that, even though, you know, we may have guys that are at that potential. We may have guys that are ranked in the top 12 or 15 throughout the year to actually go into the national tournament and getting a guy on the podium is something that, uh, you know, I don't care if you've had 30 All-Americans, it's still a great uh, accomplishment. And I think it says a lot about our program and the development we've had with our program and, um, you know, the level that we can get guys, uh, you know, by following the right path, by buying into the process and just believing in themselves. And, you know, that's kind of the, the mindset that we that we preach as coaches is, you know, you can get it done anywhere if you believe in it and you buy in the process and, um, you know, you have confidence in yourself. So, um, you know, he he was um, he was a big part of our program. Graduated this year. Uh, you know, wasn't able to place this year at, at nationals, uh, even though he went in as a seated wrestler. But you know, his career was definitely something that set the tone for the rest of the uh, the recruits and the, and the guys in the room, and somebody that we're going to remember for a long time.
So your early coaching career was spent at UVA where you coached for six years after finishing your career as a competitor. Uh, during that time, you were around for the building of the UVA program from you know not a great team to a team that's consistently in the top 15 and regularly puts out all Americans. Talk about what you learned as a coach from those early, those building years at UVA. Yeah, there was a lot of recruiting early on. You know, when Steve Garland got the job, he, um, I was already on staff. He kept me, you know, uh, on staff, and we begin in the, the building process of uh, recruiting, connecting with as many coaches, and you know, trying to bring in the best student athletes in the country. And uh, I think out of the four years that I spent there under under Coach Garland, we had you know four top ten recruiting classes. Uh, we traveled across the country, flew kids in from all across the country. You know, pretty much every weekend we had recruits in, and and that's a lot. What I've learned is that you know it all starts with the recruiting, and it all starts with building the relationships with you know, potential recruits with coaches, with parents, and, um, you know, and then trying to find the kids that fit into your program. Not every kid, just because he's ranked in the country, is going to be a great fit for, um, you know, for a University of Virginia or for a Lock Haven. They're really two separate schools. So, um, you know, I think that's the challenge of every head coach is trying to find kids that they, they can connect with on a personal level, that they know they're going to buy into the, you know, the policies and procedures that are put in place and, and also uh, having to deal with the surroundings um, that, you know, it can sometimes be a distraction. Um, you know, obviously uh, at Virginia or some of these ACC schools, are, uh, there's a lot more distractions than at a lock haven. So we, we were able to do that successfully and, and really took a great group of guys and put together and won an ACC title in 2010 and placed 15th in the country. And uh, But that was just kind of the beginning, I think, uh, really – really lit a lot of eyes in the conference and also nationally. And I think they've been able to use that momentum to bring in some really good recruits and put some really solid teams together down there and uh, build a, build a solid foundation. And they, you know, they continue to do that as a program and um, they continue to bring in really good kids and make the right connections with, with coaches. And, you know, so learned, learned a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of discipline, a lot of, uh, a lot of tricks from Coach Garland on recruiting and, and making connections. And then, you know, from a training aspect, just how to put a good training schedule together, how to make sure that guys were getting the most out of themselves, you know, a lot of individual drills. Um, you know, I think if you're focusing on guys as individuals and you can break down technique uh, that they're going to be more successful with rather than just teaching one system all the time, um, that was something that we implemented. And, you know, obviously you got to have a, a bigger coaching staff to do that. So, uh, but it, that's, you know, I think what you're seeing a lot more now with the successful teams is, um, you know, the specialization of technique, working with different coaches around their weight classes. And, you know, it's the same system that we're trying to put in place here at Lockhaven. Okay, so circling back to your own wrestling career, when and why did you begin wrestling? So I began wrestling in third grade. I moved to New Jersey for a little while and started wrestling at the YMCA. And I had a twin brother that wrestled as well. And you know, it just kind of was a natural fit for us. And uh, we moved back to Pennsylvania and uh, started back up wrestling at the YMCA. And, uh, you know, just having that natural competition between brothers, I think, allowed us to excel at the sport pretty quick uh, within the first couple of years. You know, we were both placing at the Junior Olympic States, uh, both winning a lot of big tournaments, you know, at the elementary level. And, you know, that just progressed through, through uh, junior high and through high school and um, just being competitive, I think being a twin and always competing against each other, uh, being very physical with each other, just kind of one type of kids that just, you know, there's really no rules, just, just battling all the time. And 
uh, you know, and that's real, the real reason I give credit to the success that we had in college, uh, not backing down, just being confident, just going out there and kind of letting things fly. And, uh, you know, wrestling in the Big Ten was pretty brutal, but I, I think the experience of having a brother that was at the same level and being able to compete with him on a personal level, uh, you know, instilled a lot of the qualities that it takes to be successful at that level, whether it's a Big Ten or um, at the national level. And, you know, that was that was what was exciting for us is competing on the big stage uh, competing in front of a lot of fans and, and uh, you know, trying to prove a point. I know coming out of high school, I had only taken fourth and sixth in Pennsylvania, but uh, had still been ranked nationally, you know, at some level because of the success that we've had at bigger tournaments. And um, so kind of being the underdog as well and just trying to prove uh, prove ourselves and, um, you know, coming, coming into a college room that had a lot of state champions, a lot of higher-ranked wrestlers, a lot of guys that were on scholarship money and, uh, you know, we were just two guys from a small town going in to try to try to fight the world, and you know, it, it turned out to be a, a really fun uh, experience. Uh, you know, definitely grateful for the opportunity to wrestle at you know, Penn State and Virginia, and just to be able to uh, have that opportunity and to have the great coaches that we did, and and uh, to be able to do a lot of things on a national scale uh, was exciting, and and uh, you know, eventually led to having a, a coaching career and and uh, having the opportunity to help other young men reach their goals. And so you and your twin brother, Josh, were known, as you, you stated, for being physical, but also being exciting guys to watch, you know, big throws and cradles. You know, how did that style kind of develop for you? Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of it was just the, the practice in high school, doing a lot of freestyle, a lot of Greco. And then, uh, you know, as far as being comfortable upper body with headlocks and throws and body locks, and then, uh, you know, just being physical, we were always, you know, clubbing and headbutting and just fighting each other. So bringing that mentality to a Big Ten, to a match in the Big Ten, I think are, just keeps you in the match. I know my, uh, you know, early on in my career, I probably didn't know a whole lot of, wasn't really good wrestling technique, but being physical kept us in the matches. And, uh, I think the scrambling and the cradles and the pinning stuff came from just a lot of mat time with, you know, wrestling each other so much, just creating certain positions. I know a lot of the cradles and leg cradles and, and the, the different moves that we developed were um, something more for feel. You know, a lot of that stuff was developed on our own, going into the rest of the room, just um, putting ourselves in a lot of positions and, and uh, just battling all the time and, it's really unique how he went to Edinburgh for his first year and I went to Penn State for my first year, but so we were separated for, you know, four or five months and we came back and started wrestling each other and we both had pretty much learned the exact same stuff and, you know, we were both hitting the same moves on each other even though we didn't see each other, didn't wrestle each other for, you know, four or five months. So I think a lot of it was just natural ability, but, um, you know, I credit a lot of uh, a lot of the success is just from competing in a lot of competitions, both of us. Uh, I think competed in probably over 200 college matches. So just uh, the experience of knowing knowing where you're at on the mat and, and competing and and uh, you know I think that's what some of the kids are missing nowadays. They don't want to compete as much, you know, and that's something I think mm-hmm. we were always wanting to do and and benefited from that experience. And uh, when you competed, I believe it was a you competed as a true freshman, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay, and uh, so you made it to nationals and won two matches. Um, seems like it'd be a pretty good accomplishment for you know a guy. You said 
didn't have as many accomplishments as a rest year teammates. Um, did you see it that way at the time? You know, it was um, it, it, at the time, not really. You know, I think we were just kind of living in the moment. And although we expected that I expected to win, it was just kind of something that came apart from the right training. And uh, the coaches that I had at Penn State were able to, I guess, utilize my abilities as much as possible, you know, and, and help me sort of fine tune everything, you know, even at practices. I remember Coach Sunderland having me working on leg cradles rather than like double legs or front headlocks, you know, so <laughs> just understanding certain positions and, um, you know, so at the national tournament, I remember making it there and, and just thinking, well, you got to go out and wrestle and uh, ended up winning a couple matches. And, um, you know, I still remember the, the match I lost to get to the All-American round against somebody that I had beat earlier in the year. So, uh, you know, I think you don't believe it until you get there and you start realizing how close you really are. And to know that you didn't even really know how to wrestle that well, te- technique-wise, that was just came from heart and fight and, you know, just believing in yourself, uh, that, you know, put me in a much better spot moving forward. And, and, uh, you know, once we started to learn a lot more of the basics and, uh, a lot more of the mat sense and controlling, you know, the matches, that's when, you know, that next step of our career, when we ever become all Americans and, you know, get, get close to being on top of the podium. Yeah. That's, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, cause you went from coming into nationals unseated and going to and out, to one year later becoming a Big Ten champ and fourth in the country, you know, what would you say was the difference between that sophomore and junior seasons or areas of growth? Yeah, I mean, it was just really fine-tuning and peaking at the right time. I mean, I truly believe early on that, uh, you know, that the year before I was undefeated in Big Ten duels, but I just didn't peak at the right time and kind of went into the national tournament a little bit burnout. Um, so just making those adjustments, doing a little bit more weight training, uh, you know, obviously committing to the year-round process of wrestling, dressing more in the summer, and, uh, you know, just enjoying the experience, you know. And uh, it was a big jump from going 0-2 at the national tournament after being undefeated in the Big Ten to uh, the next year winning the Big Tens and uh, placing fourth. So it's, uh, but I, I think you see that with a lot of guys. They're so close, uh, but they try so hard to get there, they kind of burn out before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that next year was was a little bit different how we went into the national tournament, the, the preparation, um, and that's something I think as a coach you got to look at. Some guys, you know, do better training hard th- right into the tournament. Some guys do better if they take it easy for you know three or four days before. So just that peaking and the tapering process that that uh, that you got to watch with the student athletes, and um, you know, so that year just kind of connected, and then um, through the through the competition, you know, wrestling something like 60-some matches in a year. I think that really set me up for uh, a successful senior year uh, once I transferred to Virginia and, and really put me in a position to where everything was, you know, everything was clicking, the strength, the conditioning, the technique, um, everything seemed to be on point. It was just one of those years that, um, you know, nothing could go wrong. You know, it was, a, it was an unbelievable experience being able to uh, pretty much wrestle the whole year until the national tour, until the national semis without really having a close match. Um, so it, it was a little bit easier on the body, not wrestling the Big Ten schedule. Uh, it was a little bit easier on, you know, mentally not having, not competing in front of five or six thousand people, just kind of doing my own thing, and um, you know, getting a lot more individual attention from the coaches. And um, so it was a completely different experience than uh, you know from Penn State to, to Virginia. But I think it was a good decision on my part. 
just to separate myself for some of the distractions, um, you know, in a bigger wrestling school. And, and then also, you know, down the line, making a lot more connections, um, you know, at a different school. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had touched on, you had the phenomenal season at Virginia going 51 and one, 34 pins. You know, to me, those seemed like high school numbers. No one in D1 should do that. Um, and you had, those were records for UVA. You had pin records at Penn State. You know, what does it take to be a great pinner? Because there's some great multiple-time NCAA champions that were never really pinners. Is it a mentality? Yeah, I think it's a, definitely a mentality. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, when you wrestle, it's a difference between trying to get takedowns and I would never just go for a takedown. There'd always be something else with it, you know. And then also understanding certain positions, uh, knowing the positions that you're good at, and just finding ways to score or pin people from from that position, you know, three or four different ways. And um, so yeah, it was a, it was definitely a different style of wrestling. I would say a lot of upper body stuff, a lot of cradles, a lot of scrambling, um, being being good on top with legs and power halves. And uh, but it was also you know, what I see is some guys break through um, too late, you know, so I was lucky enough to be somebody that figured it out early enough to still be able to enjoy that while being in college where, you know, you see guys that they graduate and three months later everything starts to click and everything starts coming together and, you know, they're, they're starting to be guys in the college room that they never beat, but their careers are almost they're already over. So, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of it was just, you know, I, I credit just wrestling a lot of competitions uh, put myself in a different environment that wasn't as, um, I guess, as strict, you know, with uh, with the training. Uh, you know, I could be a little bit more open-minded and, and, and make some mistakes with, with technique or make some mistakes in matches and, and being able to recover since I wasn't wrestling on the Big Ten schedule. So uh, I think that idea of just being able to develop in a more open environment was, was big for me. And, um, you know, just wrestling the style that I wanted to wrestle uh, – made it a pretty fun season and you know obviously the numbers are pretty impressive and you know as a wrestler you're a competitor I still look back and you know say man I should have been able to pin you know 40 guys instead of 34 so um <laughs> so I, I, you look at that it's, it comes down to you know having that mindset and you know that's something that you can't teach you gotta you gotta learn by experience and you know it was definitely some adversity throughout my career but it you know it ended you know about as good as it could have and uh, you know, the next question, there are some people who say this is a big deal, others that don't. Um, does having a long undefeated streak, you know, coming into the NCAA tournament, is that a burden or did you feel like it was a burden? Because, you know, I, again, I hear yeah. both ways on that topic. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't really uh, – it wasn't really a factor. Uh, you know, you have one goal and that's to be a national champion. And uh, it all depends on kind of how you got to that point. You know, some guys go through the year and they have some close matches and, um, you know, their bodies beat up and they just, you know, they're, they're thinking all the only thing they're thinking about is being undefeated where I think that's kind of the wrong mindset. Um, anybody can get beat on any given day. And, you know, for me, probably my only fault was that I thought I could pin everybody, you know, so going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. And, uh, you know, the goal was pretty simple to go out there and try to find a way to make it happen, you know, and that worked uh, 99% of the time. But in that match, it, it was just, you know, he had a game plan. I didn't. And uh, there's a lot of factors that led up to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, and so I, I don't think that really, you know, for me, it didn't really make a difference. 
being undefeated or having five losses. I think anybody that goes to a national tournament, uh, you know, they, their goal is to be a national champion and, and trying to separate yourself from the mystique of being undefeated and the idea of losing a match, you know, that didn't really uh, come into play. Um, you know, but I think anybody that wins a national title, whether they're, you know, the best kid in the country, the guy that comes from behind, uh, you know, they have to have the tournament of their life. And it's, it's one of those unique experiences that, you know, only so many guys get to get to make it happen. And, uh, you know, I think it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But, um, you know, it's, it's it's definitely one of the toughest tasks in any, you know, any college athletic event. So. And I was going to ask about that NCAA semis match with Cliff Moore of Iowa. You said he had a game plan. You know, to me, it looked like he was able to stay out of the scrambles and the funky situations where you may thrive. You know, just any further recollections from that match? Yeah, you know, the big thing for me, I know my brother was wrestling in the semifinals. Uh, he had been wrestling, I think, a kid from Cal Poly. And uh, instead of focusing on my match, I was out, you know, sort of in the entryway watching every second of his match. And uh, I think that took a lot away away from my focus and, and uh, you know, the way I normally wrestled. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough as a brother to, to sit there and, and uh, you know, semifinals back-to-back and watch him compete and win. You know, win or lose, I think it takes a, bit, a toll on your body and it takes a toll on your mind as far as mentally being prepared for the, the match that you have to wrestle. So, it was almost like I was more excited for him to win than than that I than I cared about me winning, you know. And I just thought, in my mind, where I was at at that specific time, you know, there, there wasn't any way I could lose. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's kind of a weird mindset. But I think the best kids in the country, you know, that's their mindset: is that there's there's no way in their mind they're going to lose. And you know, like I said before, that was probably my only fault is going in without. Uh, without a second game plan, you know, to go and to try to pin them, to try to win. And, um, you know, and if you look back after that match, I ended up pinning two other guys, two other pretty solid kids to uh, come back and take third. And uh, I think I sort of got back to my style of wrestling in those two matches and, um, you know, was able to refocus and, and at least complete the, complete the year with a couple wins. Yeah. And I was going to ask about that. Um, you know, I always have respect for seniors that get upset but then bounce back to take third. And, you know, those two guys you pinned were Nate Gallick and Jason Mester, who are both studs. Um, you know, how hard was it getting up mentally for that Saturday morning round at Nationals? Yeah, I think, you know, just one of those things where you just want to go out and, and finish your career, you know, like you started. And uh, at that point in time, it wasn't about winning or losing. It was just about going out and, and – uh trying to put a lot of effort in and trying to finish, you know, not only for for your fans, parents and, and coaches and, and everyone else just to, you know, not, not let those guys down. You know, as a wrestler, you know, when you lose a lot of times you're not as upset at yourself as you are just wouldn't say embarrassed, but just you, you feel like you let a lot of people down. You hear that a lot with wrestling, you know, that the Olympic trials, people saying, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, let people down. But, you know, so I think that's kind of a wrestling mentality is that you want to put a show on and you want, you know, you want to, you know, make make your fans and your family happy. And, you know, so that was a situation where I kind of just said, hey, you know, we got two matches left, go out there and have some fun. And, uh, you know, in both matches, it was a little bit better of a game plan. I know for third and fourth, uh, I've watched that match a few times, but just the stance that I was in, I knew exactly uh, what position I wanted to get, uh, 
get my opponent in as far as like where I wanted to be and how I was going to get there. And, and, uh, you know, it played out perfectly. And I think that would have probably been a little bit different of a, uh, what I would have done differently in the semifinals is, is I uh, tightened it up a little bit and really just focus on, uh, maybe the top position, focus on, you know, a little bit better defense, not going for big moves right away. And, uh, but you live and you learn and, you know, it was definitely an enjoyable experience. And, uh, you know, I remember being pretty upset after losing in the semis, but then after getting two pins to take third, it was almost like, you know, I was, you know, I was okay with, uh, with okay with the loss, knowing that, you know, that finished the way you needed to finish and that, you know, you do everything you can, can do within your control and everything else is, is, uh, just be along for the ride. So. Now, one of my favorite questions that I ask, it usually forces guys to think in a way they may not normally think. Um, how would you like for fans or anyone else to remember you and your career as a wrestler? Um, you know, I mean, I think what you saw is what you got. You know, somebody went out there and wrestled hard, always looking for pins, always looking to entertain. And uh, definitely, uh, you know, wanted to be remembered as somebody who was a physical wrestler who uh, – you know, always went out there and fought hard and, and tried to put on a show and also, you know, never backed down from a challenge. So from, from the first year of Penn State to the last year of Virginia, you know, it was uh, definitely the mindset of having a good time and leaving it all on the mat and, and putting on a good show. And, you know, hopefully people will remember that down the road. And so uh, there are legendary stories about the Brands twins, Tom and Terry, and their competitiveness with each other and you alluded to a little bit of it earlier, you know, those guys have talked about destroying hotel rooms wrestling or physically fighting over a game of Monopoly. Uh, do you, did you and Josh ever have that same sort of competitiveness with each other? Or, you know, maybe you still do? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, more so in high school and college, we kind of leveled out and used it more to push each other. But in high school, we had uh, some pretty bad wars and, you know, hitting each other with uh, mat carts and, and uh, just, just real physical, you know, like punching, headbutting, all that stuff, you know, but it was, uh, I think that's something once you mature and you figure out that, uh, as brothers, as twins, you're more of a resource than an enemy, you know, it all kind of, it, you can use that as a positive and, and make a lot of, a lot of good gains. And, um, uh, but yeah, definitely there was, there was a lot of battles and, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, drywall busted up in the house, a lot of, uh, you know, fights in the backyard and the wrestling room and, and, uh, you know, but ultimately I think as twins, you work together, you know, so we'd fight each other, but as soon as somebody said something to him or me, the other one would be right on the other guy, you know, we, we'd be working together as a team. So, um, you know, I, I always like recruiting wrestlers that are twins because I think that brings a different perspective and a different competitive mindset to the wrestling room. And, uh, you know, ultimately once they learn to work together as a unit, then, you know, as you can see a lot with wrestling, uh, a lot of the twins that are wrestling are pretty successful and having that built-in workout partner, uh, it's priceless, you know, not having to call somebody, you just know you got somebody there that can push you and somebody that, that knows how to, uh, you know, get the most out of you. For sure. For sure. Okay. I'm going to open it up to you. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about you or Lock Haven wrestling? Yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, the big thing for us right now is, is, uh, it's more about Lock Haven wrestling and, uh, we're excited about the future. You know, as you can see, we're bringing in a great recruiting class. Uh, we're bringing back a lot of, uh, some of Pennsylvania's best wrestlers, 
are coming back to, to Lock Haven, you know, out of high school and then, you know, transferring back from colleges. And, uh, you know, so it's an exciting time in central Pennsylvania, you know, building a, a strong tradition and a strong foundation that, um, you know, even in this competitive environment of, of Big Ten and ACC school and, uh, you know, some, some, some big-time programs with a lot of resources, you know, I feel like Lock Haven – has the potential to be right there in the top ten with these other schools and and uh, just trying to do things the right way and, and uh, build a strong program. And, um, you know, this is the place I want to be, and we're committed to making it great for, you know, for our alumni, for our fans, for our future recruits, and, and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing a lot of, a lot of everybody on the road when we're, when we're upsetting these big teams. <laughs> all right, that's all I have for you. I really appreciate Scott Moore for, for joining us on Sudden History. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks again to Scott for joining us and opening up about his career and also Lock Haven Wrestling. If you have feedback for the show, you have a guest you'd like to hear from, give me a shout out on Twitter. It's at D1CW or at Sudden History for the show. I realize not everyone has Twitter, so you can also shoot me an email, earl at D1CollegeWrestling.net. So it's about that time for Greg Jones to shut it down for the week. How the hell do I get off this stage? <laughs>